it's good to be together, right? Yes. Yes. Go ahead and stand. We're gonna we're gonna worship, and I'll pray us in. So God, we just ask your Holy Spirit to fall right on each one of us. God, that you would move. That the name of Jesus would just sink in deeper into some places that we need it leak a little bit shaken loose for whatever reason because we trust you God and um, and we love you and so God just pour out right now in Jesus name Oh 
one of those touches from Jesus. And I'm just gonna invite you to take a seat right here and to pour your heart out to him, lay everything at his feet, ask him for what you need. He's a good, good father, and he wants to meet you in that place. And we also wanna honor fathers and dads and granddads today, so if that's you, I just invite you to take a seat as well. And maybe you'd just like to honor your father by sitting, and that's great too. But we're gonna go to a time of prayer 
in this house of miracles where we believe that miracles do still happen. God, we thank you for your word that never changes. The miracles that you did when you walked the earth, Jesus, you still do today. And some of them we won't see till we get to heaven, but God, we know that you're moving. We know that you're working. And so as each one here lays those burdens before you, God, I pray that you would receive them. May they be a sweet incense to you and may it move the hand of God towards your people. Jesus, for those who need healing in their bodies, we ask that you would heal them in Jesus' name. For those with broken relationships, God, we pray for mending of those. For those who um, suffer from anxiety and depression, we say be gone in the name of Jesus, be healed in the name of Jesus. For those who just um, aren't even sure, God, that, that they're worthy of receiving a miracle from you, would you draw especially close to them today? Would you whisper your words of love over them? May they feel your very presence through the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you move, we thank you that you work, and we thank you that you are a good Father, and we believe you for all of the prayers lifted in this place today. And God, we pray for the fathers who've tried to balance the demands of work and marriage and children with an honest awareness of both joy and sacrifice. We pray for the fathers who lacked a good role model for a father, but they've worked hard to become a worthy and virtuous father. We pray for the fathers who, by their own account, were not always there for their children, but who continue to offer those children now grown their love and support. And we pray for the fathers who've been wounded by words and actions of their children. We pray for the fathers who, despite marital discord, have remained in their children's lives. We pray for fathers whose children are adopted and whose love and support nurtured a thriving life. We pray for the fathers who as stepfathers freely choose the obligation of fatherhood and earn their stepchildren's love and respect. We pray for the men who have no children but cherish the next generation as if they were their own. We pray for the men who have fathered us in their roles as mentors and guides. We pray for the men who are about to become fathers. May they openly delight in their children. And we pray for the fathers who have died, but live on in our memory and whose love continues to nurture us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Well, you may take your seat and take a look at the screen for a Father's Day video.
Well, happy Father's Day to you all. Yeah. Maybe some of you can relate to, to Steve uh, and how he is a dad, but that was fun. Well, I just want to welcome you all here today. You've, you've picked a really great day to be with us, and we're so happy that you're here. If you are a guest with us, we would love to get a gift into your hands. And the way that we do that is through our connection card. And you can access that with the QR code that's in the seat back. Or you can go out to the lobby to our connection center. And they have paper copies there. And you can fill that out. But we would love to say hello to you and to get a gift into your hands. And if you have been with us for a couple of weeks, we've been mentioning that we have these prayer cards on a table in the lobby directly uh, out the double doors there so that you could write a prayer or a word of encouragement for Pete and Jane as they begin their sabbatical. So uh, if you would like to do that and haven't yet had a chance, we would just encourage you to do that today on your way out as well. And now, uh, as we close out our time of worship, worship through giving is uh, one act that we do sacrificially here at All Shores for those who call All Shores home. And so if you've come prepared to give, we want to thank you. The ways to give are on the screen behind me. We have giving boxes in the lobby. But I just want to thank you for your faithfulness, for your sacrifice, for your generosity to All Shores that helps us be the church in three locations and to meet the needs of the, of the people around us. So thank you so much. And I'll take a look at the screens for a couple more announcements. What future do you envision? If you wait for perfection, you will never do it. It's about finding the U-shaped hole in the world, the thing that you alone bring to the table. The word leader is more than a word. It's an action, it's a verb. You're a leader. Some of you need to hear that. Great leaders focus just as much on the connection, and it's impossible to connect on autopilot. Everyone you're serving wants to know two things. Do you see me, do I matter? You have absolutely been called for such a time as this. So the question I have for you is who are you gonna be? You're a leader, you have influence, step into it, lead well, serve people, offer hope, and change the world. Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. We'd love for you to consider being a part of GLS if you haven't signed up for it. Well, Pete is going to come up here in just a moment and introduce our guest for this morning, uh, David. But before we do that, I think most of you know that today is Pete's actually last Sunday before he heads out on sabbatical. He's got a three-month sabbatical in front of him that we're just really excited about for him. Um, if you don't know much about what the sabbatical is, a couple weeks ago, he took a few moments and shared a little bit about it at our core night. So if you're wondering what we're praying over over the next few moments or what the sabbatical is all about, and even what that looks like with the travel plans for he and for Jane, I uh, just encourage you to go to our website. It's under the media page, and you can listen to that. He does a great job kind of laying out what's going to happen. But we want to take some time and pray for him this morning. And so we've asked the staff and LBA that's in the service this morning, just because there's so many of you won't be able to have you walk over here. But we've asked them if they would come down to where Pete and Jane are here down in the front and lay hands on them. And we're going to take a few moments and just pray for them. As they do that, can I just ask if you wouldn't mind just reaching your hand out uh, just as an act of encouragement and continue to pray over them. 
So let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you for our brother. Um, for so many of us, God, Pete means so much. And God, we're just thankful for the legacy that he has provided here at All Shores. God, we know that he's served these 20 plus years so faithfully. And so God, we celebrate that, but we know that with that comes a lot of stress, comes a lot of emotion. God, he's carried physically, emotionally, mentally, so many things with all of us that Lord, that, that does take a toll. And so God, we're eager, we're excited for this next few months for he and for Jane to get away. And God, just ask that you would kind of rejuvenate and renew them. And Lord, we just are so excited and looking forward to what you're gonna do through that. God, we pray specifically for Jean. We just thank you for her, for the spouse that she continues to be to Pete. God, how she continues to carry things with him. And Lord, we know that that has its own set of circumstances and places where she carries things too. And so, Lord, we pray on her behalf that it's also a wonderful time. We pray for great times of family, with, with family. And Lord, we pray specifically also for travel. We know that they'll be moving around a lot. We pray for safety. We pray for, God, all of those moments they get to spend time together and even alone, that your presence would be so close and God, in a sense, we, we commission them. We commission them for the next three months that they'll be able to detach, to kind of unplug. And God, again, just let your Holy Spirit rejuvenate them. And then finally, Lord, we just pray for us as a congregation. We're also looking forward to what you're gonna do in us over the next three months. God, we know that you have something new. We know that you have something unique. We know that you have something in store for us also in this place of renewal. And so God, we pray for that specifically. And God, again, we bless them as we go. We thank you for our pastor. We love him. And we just, again, ask for your protection, for your love, and for your presence upon them in the next few months. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Well, again, I just want to remind you, uh, if you want to take a look at what the sabbatical looks like, you can get uh, more information on our website. Now, Pete's going to come up and introduce David, who's here today, and very excited to have him as a guest. Thanks so much, and thanks for the prayers already. And, you know, that we, I want to thank you, too, that we have a culture that embraces and encourages these seasons, as this will be my second in 24 years, and we, we have a, a pathway even to varying degrees with our staff that you've all been a part of encouraging our health and life so and just your responses have been really wonderful and encouraging to us now for the day and it's really I'm I'm excited both because whenever we get to have David with us it's been very meaningful uh, we have a friendship David is the executive director of Jews for Jesus and really I think this is our fourth time we said right together since I've been in this role where he's come in various seasons to teach and be with us and I'm grateful for just a personal friendship also there's a legacy of what this work is and the scope of it, which you'll hear more from David about, that I know for me, like I grew up in a home, my mom was really, that when they first began, she was engaged, and so I grew up kind of engaged in the movement of what they were doing, and then my best friend and his family growing up are, are all Jewish, so I felt a personal connection even to the work, uh, and I think both for us to be grateful for what they're doing globally and for what we're going to hear today, we are really thankful. So I want to welcome David Brickner, the Executive Director of Jews for Jesus, and welcome him with me. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks, Pete. Shalom. It's great to be back at All Shores, and uh, I'm particularly thankful for the timing. Uh, with uh, Pete and Jane going on their sabbatical, there's a little bit of a connection to what we're going to be talking about here today, but also... 
Yesterday, I was in Detroit, and uh, that's where my dad lives. Uh, my parents lived for most of their adult life in Jerusalem, and uh, so my dad's 92, and my mom is 89, and so because of health reasons, just before the pandemic, they came back and are staying and living with my, uh, my older sister in the Detroit area. So my dad, whose name is Avi, uh, means, Avi is Hebrew, means my father. So I'm really blessed to have a father who uh, really loves the Lord. And uh, he came to faith in Jesus out of an Orthodox Jewish background and uh, just served as a pastor to pastors for most of his adult life in the city of Jerusalem and now my mom's health is really failing and you know it's tough for my dad because she's really not aware of what's going on around her she's in hospice care so we don't expect her to live much longer so it was good to be there to be an encouragement to my father at this season and you know he was telling me that my mother said a few weeks ago to him Avi I've lived long enough I want to go home and he said but but Leah you know, you'll you leave me here all by myself. And she said, oh, don't worry, you'll follow me soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> and last week, they celebrated their 70th anniversary. And so the hospice nurse was there, and she said to my parents, she said, so tell me, what's the secret of 70 years of marriage? And my dad said, well, I learned how to say yes, dear. <laughs> and my mother said, I did whatever I wanted. <laughs> So it's wonderful to be able to celebrate, isn't it? And to celebrate the lives of people that mean so much to us. Well, in Jews for Jesus, we are actually at a point of celebration. Uh, you know, at our headquarters where I live in San Francisco, we have a little corner plaque on the cornerstone that says, Jews for Jesus, established 32 AD, give or take a year. <laughs> but actually, we were incorporated as a ministry in San Francisco in September of 1973. So do the math and you will realize that we are celebrating 50 years, which has been known as a jubilee year, 50 years celebrating what uh, you know might be a, a wedding or an organization as in our case. But uh, as I dug into this, I realized that Jubilee is actually a biblical concept. It's a reality that begins with the scriptures in Leviticus 25. We're actually going to look at that. The first few verses of Leviticus 25 talk about the sabbatical, the Sabbath year. And then it goes on for from verses 8 through 55, talking about the Jubilee. And so we're kind of celebrating that right now. And to think about that early beginnings in September of 1973, you know, the Jesus Revolution was what Jews for Jesus really grew out of. If you saw that movie, it's a great movie. You know, God was really working, oh, that he would work that way in our country again. Don't you think that would be wonderful? But that's how Jews for Jesus as a modern day ministry began. And, and now look at what God has done over the years. This is where we began in San Francisco and now we're across the globe. Wherever there's a large concentration of Jewish people, we're there proclaiming the gospel. And one of the key verses of Leviticus 25 is about Jubilee is that we're supposed to proclaim liberty 
or freedom. That's the purpose. And so what a great invitation to us, since it's such a part of our DNA, to make this year a year of proclamation. And so I want to show you a video that really does uh, tell you a little bit about what we're doing, what we've planned for this year. Jews for Jesus started as a slogan, but by 1973, it had officially become a thriving evangelistic ministry. Jewish people with a passion to share the good news that our Messiah has come. Over the last 50 years, Jews for Jesus has proclaimed the gospel in some of the biggest Jewish communities around the world, from South Africa to Budapest, from New York to Jerusalem. We stand as living proof that it is possible to be Jewish and believe in Jesus. And by God's grace, tens of thousands of Jewish people across the globe have now met their Messiah too. In the Hebrew scriptures, God instructed the people of Israel to declare every 50th year as a Jubilee. An appointed time for liberty to be proclaimed, debts forgiven, property returned, and slaves set free. That's why this year, during May, June, and July, Jews for Jesus will be sharing the message of liberty and Messiah to 20 different Jewish communities all at the same time. This will be the most comprehensive global outreach we've ever conducted, with hundreds of missionaries and volunteers sharing the good news across the world. And we can't do it without you. Most Jewish people still have never heard the message that Jesus is their Messiah the very one who came to set the captives free to fulfill the true meaning of Jubilee. Will you join with us to declare liberty to those in bondage, to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted? Together, we can reach the Jewish people with the good news of the year of Jubilee. So I want to invite you to join us when you came in, you should have received a card that looks like this, and uh, it has a picture of my wife, Sabra, and I at the top, and you can go ahead and, and fold it and then tear it off and take us home with you today, would you? And use this to remember to pray for our ministry at this consequential time. We really need your prayers. It's the most important way for you to be involved, and uh, we really appreciate those of you who have been receiving our newsletter and been praying for us, and if you haven't yet, we want to encourage you to take this card and fill it out and uh, return it to the Connection Center, uh, and if you do that, we'll be able to send you our free monthly newsletter. You can get it via email or by snail mail or both if you want, and it's our way of telling you more, number one, about the Jewish roots of your faith in a way that I think will really enrich your understanding of God's Word, Secondly, we'll tell you more about how you can share Jesus with Jewish people that God brings into your life. And thirdly, of course, it will keep you up to date about what God is doing, and especially during this season of Jubilee, where we have all of these amazing outreaches going on across the globe. You can be informed and pray specifically. Also, when you leave, um, there's a literature table in the lobby area, and I want to encourage you to stop and pick up this brochure because it lists all the different key audiences and the outreaches that we're doing during the Jubilee year, and really want to encourage you to stop and pick up one of those. 
And uh, if you are back there at that table, you can also see some of the other literature we have, some of it free, some of it not so free, a number of books that I've written. Here's one called Future Hope, A Jewish Christian Look at the End of the World. So stop there, see what can be of use to you. And if you fill out that card and drop it at the Connection Center, along with the newsletter, I want to mail you uh, this map, which is really cool. We just produced it as a kind of a way to encourage prayer, but also to inform you. So on this side of the map is, a, is a, the old city of Jerusalem, the, the old, the time, Jesus, uh, Jerusalem during the time of Jesus. And uh, what you can see on the legend is the places all throughout the city where Jesus performed miracles and did various things recorded in the Gospels. Now you flip it over to this side, and it's the picture of modern-day Jerusalem. This is a map of modern-day Jerusalem, and on the legend we have the various places in the city where Jewish people have prayed with us to receive the Lord. And so it's an encouragement to pray and to make the connection between ancient and modern. And so we'll mail that to you as well if you get our newsletter. But really, I just am so excited about what God is doing and uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, any gift that you give to Jews for Jesus today, as you turn in your card, will definitely go to this ministry that we're doing around the world. We also have a QR code if you'd like to go to our website. That's a couple of ways that you can be partnering with Jews for Jesus through your prayers, through your support, and just believe with us that this is a consequential time because it really is in so many ways. We've declared this year to be our jubilee, and as a result, looking at the scriptures and what they have to say, the jubilee is significant when we think about what God intends with the kingdom of God. It became more than just a, a declaration, more than just a command of God. It became idealized throughout time and connected to the very notion of God's future promise, the kingdom of God. Let's see how that happened. In Leviticus 25, as I mentioned, from verse 8 through 55 is all the information about Jubilee. And that word, Jubilee, actually comes from the Hebrew word yovel. Because Leviticus tells us we're to declare this jubilee through the blowing of the trumpet or the shofar, which is yovel. And that's how we come up with this word in English, jubilee, yovel in Hebrew. So in Leviticus chapter 25, we see this principle, this command established. And we'll just read a few of those verses. Count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years. So that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet, Yovel, sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month on the day of atonement. Sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family, property, and to your own clan. So the jubilee was this command of God that was to restore that which had been broken, to return that which had been borrowed or mortgaged or stolen, to make right what was wrong. And so God commanded the children of Israel to renew, to refresh, to rest, 
And remember, slaves freed, debts forgiven, property returned. But the interesting thing is, and I think it's so important, you see, Israel had just come out of being enslaved in Egypt. And so now they truly were free. Wandering in the wilderness, they had freedom. But the ultimate freedom that God tells us at the very last verse, verse 55, is remember that you now belong to me. You're my servant. So we were slaves to Pharaoh, and by being set free, it made us servants of the Lord. And I think that's an important corrective to a lot of common misunderstanding about what true liberty is. True liberty is not the throwing off of all responsibility, the opportunity to do whatever you want, whenever you want, without anybody telling you what to do. True freedom, according to Jubilee, is obedience to God. True liberty is found in servanthood to the one who created us. And that's an important principle about Jubilee that so many of us have forgotten. In fact, this principle was so significant that Israel never observed it. What do you think about that? You can look throughout the entire scriptures. You can look throughout all of the records of Jewish history. There was never one time where Israel celebrated, observed the Jubilee. And in fact, in the Talmud, the rabbis said... From the time that the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh were exiled, the Jubilees were discontinued. Imagine that, a command of God in the Torah, in the scriptures, that was never observed and that the rabbis decided would be discontinued. Now, in 1998, here in America, there was a lot of interest in the fact that since Israel was formed as a modern state in 1948, that 1998 might be the jubilee and the fulfillment of prophecy and the hope. And uh, so there was a lot of interest in the church here in America in 1998, but in Israel, they didn't pay any attention to it. And so here we are today talking about jubilee, which is a command of God never yet been fulfilled. And so because of that, it became idealized as a hopefulness regarding God restoring that which is broken. And so much in this world is broken, right? And so the prophets picked up this theme and began to use the same language that uh, Moses used in Leviticus 25 to talk about the kingdom of God, to talk about what we long for but have yet to experience. Things are not right in this world, (laughs) People are in bondage, even in the freest country in the history of the world. In bondage to things, to problems, to brokenness. And God will one day set us free, and we look forward to that. Now, the prophets use that language, as I said, and the most familiar one is Isaiah. Isaiah spoke about the kingdom of God over and over again. And in Isaiah chapter 61, he uses the exact same language As Moses in Leviticus 25, look what he says, verses 1 and 2. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom. That's that phrase for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, again that language, 
and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So this was the vision of Isaiah concerning a jubilee that had yet to be fulfilled. And you know, Isaiah recognized something that we all see, and that is that it's much easier to become enslaved than it is to remain free. In ancient Israel, in Leviticus' time, we had just been set free from bondage in Egypt. In Isaiah's time, Israel was about to go into captivity and lose whatever freedom they had. So freedom is fleeting. Liberty can be compromised very easily. And Isaiah looked forward to a time and he proclaimed that time. And in so doing, he looked forward to its ultimate fulfillment in the Messiah, which of course makes it so much more significant the story of Luke chapter 4, one of my favorite stories in the Gospels, that as Isaiah anticipated something that we all long for in this world, true freedom, true liberty, Jesus came to the hometown where he grew up. He came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus had a good custom He gathered with his people to worship on a weekly basis. He stood up to read. That's what you do. You don't sit down to read in the synagogue. You stand up in honor of Torah, in honor of the scriptures. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Coincidence? Not at all. God's in charge. And unrolling it, Jesus found the place where it is written. And he quotes from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he stops right there. He doesn't finish the verse which goes on to say the day of vengeance for our God. So Jesus knew that there was an inauguration of the kingdom, an inauguration of the jubilee, but the fulfillment involved a day of vengeance. Justice is coming. And with justice, if you want justice, you need to have judgment and God is going to judge this world but that was not the purpose of Jesus coming his inauguration of the jubilee was to bring about salvation to bring about freedom in a spiritual sense in an emotional sense in a a life sense and so what does he say after stopping in the middle of the verse then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him he began by saying to them Today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What a remarkable proclamation Jesus makes in that synagogue. What a remarkable statement. You've been waiting for the Jubilee. You've been waiting for freedom. You've been waiting for liberty. It's never been an experience that you've truly had. Well, guess what? I'm bringing it. And of course, Jesus is referring to the purpose for which he came, which is why he stopped in the middle of the verse, because he knew exactly what he was there for. He was there to give his life as a sacrifice, to pay the penalty for our sin, for yours and mine, to die on a cross, to shed his blood, to ensure that we can experience freedom from bondage and sin and death. 
And because of who he is, the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel, the Anointed One of God, death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. He rose again from the grave. And now freedom, true freedom, is available to all those who would trust in him. And for us today as well, Jesus says, this scripture has been fulfilled. Hallelujah. Now, later on in the story, and I encourage you to go and read it, you find that the initial response of the people who heard this proclamation was to delight, to be full of joy, and to say, wow, isn't this great? His words are gracious. But then, he said, but guess what? All you know about this jubilee, all you know about this freedom, it's not just for you. It's for all the nations. And he talks about how this is a precedent that was set in the scriptures. He tells the story about Naaman the Syrian and about the Sidonian woman and how these two non-Jews experienced God's grace, miracles of God's presence, when Jewish people around them did not. And now, all of a sudden, the gracious words became cutting. <laughs> and the people in that synagogue grabbed a hold of Jesus and carried him out to the brow of a hill to throw him down. I've been to the brow of that hill. It's a steep hill. You get thrown off of that hill, that's it. They were trying to kill him. And then the scriptures say that Jesus walked through their midst and departed. There was a supernatural intervention because God's jubilee is going to be proclaimed. And I experienced that. I always wondered, how does that work? That, you know, when people are around you trying to kill you and somehow you walk away. That happened to me when I was leading a music group for Jews for Jesus in Jerusalem. We had this amazing concert and there was a crowd of people gathered around. And when we finished our music, we broke into the crowd. We're having great conversations, gospel conversations with Israelis about Jesus when a whole group of guys, about five of them, from a terrorist organization, a Jewish group, came up and said, we don't like what you're saying. We're going to beat you up if you're still here in five minutes. And they walked away, and I thought, you know what? They're serious. Maybe it's time that we should leave. <laughs> so I tried to get everybody together. There was 10 of us having these conversations in downtown Jerusalem. And, you know, to gather, it took me enough time so that we were still just there when these guys came back. And they had iron bars like crowbars. They were going to use them to beat us up. And it was like a, a, a size of, a, of this room. And they couldn't see us. We were all there. There was no reason why they couldn't see us, but they couldn't. They were looking for us, and we just walked away. And I thought, oh, wow. It was a supernatural experience because God wants the message of freedom to be proclaimed despite the fact that there are all kinds of forces at work to try and keep people in bondage. The gospel is the power of God to bring freedom and it will not be prevented. It will not be kept from the people who need to hear it. And if you're here today, you're here because God wants you to know about that freedom. If you've not experienced the liberty that comes through faith in Jesus, the Messiah, that's what the gospel is all about. And every time you hear liberty or freedom in the rest of the New Testament, think about the jubilee that God wants to bring to your life. Paul talks about it through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. By following after Jesus, by living for him, by giving your life in service to the God who created you, you can experience freedom from the law of sin and death. That's what Jesus came to bring. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <laughs> Hallelujah. How's your freedom quotient today? Are you living in freedom or in bondage? The scriptures say it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, that's the easiest thing. That's the most natural thing for us as human beings is to allow that, that yoke, that burden of slavery to sin and to the world and to Satan, who is our adversary, to allow that to be the controlling force in our lives. But Jesus came to set us free. And all we need to experience that freedom is to confess our sin, to invite him in, and to live our lives as much as we can by the power of the Spirit. Because when you walk by the Spirit, you fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. The law of liberty. And whoever looks intently into that perfect law, the law of liberty, the freedom that is taught in these scriptures, the law that gives freedom. And, and if you continue in it, that's the thing we often kind of pull back. But continue in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed. You want the blessing of God's freedom. It's available to us if we just trust in him. Now, we struggle with that. We fall out of freedom into slavery, and then we have to struggle back. And God welcomes us back into that life of freedom, that life of servitude. And so if you're here today and you say, well, you know, you don't know what my life has been. There's got to be a time when God said, all right, you, you've blown it enough times. That's it. I'm done with you. He never, he never has, and he never will. All that it takes for you to get out of the bondage that you're walking in today and experience the freedom of God is just to confess your sin, and Jesus will forgive you. He'll set you free. Amen. Hallelujah. So, are we all experiencing that freedom? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, but there is a day coming when this jubilee will be fulfilled. When we won't have to worry about the problems that are part of our everyday life, where the bondage to sin is so easily entered into, and that's what the scriptures talk about as well. The jubilee is the kingdom of God that is yet to be fully established, but it's coming. Peter preached it from, uh, in Acts chapter 3 right from the streets of Jerusalem. Repent, he said, then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. May you experience a time of refreshing, Pete and Jane, as you go off, and, and may you come back renewed and refreshed by the Spirit of God. We all need that. We all need that. But Peter was talking about a time when it's going to be permanentized through the presence of Jesus. Times of refreshing may come from the Lord that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him. He's there. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's there right now until the time comes for God to restore everything. That's what Jubilee is all about. Ultimately, restoration of all the good things that God intended for his creation that we've we've given away unfortunately but it's coming restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets whenever you hear about this think about the jubilee and realize it has yet to come but it's coming it's coming soon and very soon and it's announced in the book of revelation chapter 7 the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said 
And this is what they're saying. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Oh, hallelujah. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Bring with you the Jesus Jubilee that we all long for. And in the meantime, may God bear witness in our hearts that we have been set free. We are free in him. Let's give him thanks and praise. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord God, we know that we sometimes walk for a long time outside of the freedom that you intend for us. We, we walk away from you. We fall into a pit. We have brokenness in our lives, in our relationships, in our home. And we want to walk in freedom, which means we know servitude to you, recognizing you as the creator of all. We want to serve you and so live in the freedom that you've designed for your creation. Lord, help us as your people, not only to experience that liberty, but to be willing to proclaim it so that others too might enter in to the joy of the Jubilee in Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much, David. What a powerful message and proclamation to us. And so first and foremost, We want to invite you. We'll have some time as we worship in a few minutes, just in your own response, what God might be saying or doing. And to any here watching online that have never discovered the freedom in Christ, we invite you to respond even today to that and discover him as Messiah, as forgiver, and the one who frees us to new life. I also, before we continue on, want to encourage you to take the card that you received today. So I know, Jane, I filled one of these out some years ago. And I'll just tell you very specifically, even just praying, like for me, every Wednesday I pray for David and for that ministry, so I have a regular pattern to this. And we encourage that with a lot of areas, like our global areas too, but man, just sign up and be praying for them. Be a great start. We also are grateful for the work that they do, and there's no kind of contractual thing where we offer or they ask for a certain response from us. It's your invitation to how you give today that helps them move forward and even David's being here. So again, we have different places of that. The card itself explains that. You can do it that way through their site. You can, on the way out, uh, our, our baskets, the, the places we have on the wall for the offering, we have envelopes by that. You can fill one out right to the church even and just designate it for Jews for Jesus. On our website where we give, you can do it that way or directly here. And all we want to do is invite you to respond in that way, encouraging and supporting the ministry that God's doing, and how just as you were talking today and, and encouraging us even to live into this inauguration of Jubilee, be aware of all that they're doing globally over the next few months to help others discover in the inauguration of it, like how many times Jesus will be shared, and that's what we're part of encouraging too. Let me invite you to stand, and we always try to give space after a message to worship and to celebrate communion, and so we're going to sing, in a sense, even the wonderful blessing God has for us. And ask the Lord to speak to you. Ask the Spirit to whisper, to prompt, to ignite, to encourage. And then I'll lead us through communion partway through this song as well. Oh,
let me invite you to be seated for just a few minutes. Hopefully when you came in, you received the communion cup. It has the bread in the top and the actual cup in the bottom part. We don't have any stipulations that you have to be a member here to participate in communion. We want to encourage that you're pursuing Jesus, that maybe even if you're in a place of uncertainty or doubt, this is a means with which just to invite and let him move towards you in it. And I want to remind you even of the picture. You know, I love what David drew out for us, this this beauty that there's a proclamation in the inauguration of Jubilee. And there's a demonstration that always follows, which means the places in your life that Jesus is freeing you are demonstrated by how he moves. Have you ever had that in a moment where you're actually acting more loving than you normally would? That's God moving. Have you had a place where you go, I'm not living the way I want to or normally do because God's freeing me and helping me live differently? That's inaugurating and not just proclaiming but demonstrating. And so what we do at communion is we really receive again freshly the truth of Jubilee, that we're free. That the very things he proclaimed to free us from sin, great, small, coming, going, all of it. Like that's what we engage in, that's what we receive. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, this bread, this bread without leaven, bread that imaged without sin and the bitterness of pride and self-exaltation. He broke it, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body and it's given for you. And we receive it. It's proclaimed and demonstrated as we receive. Let's take of that. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and said, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. And before we receive it, the cup is an image of destiny. We drink of the same cup, we share the same destiny. What's inaugurated in us Jesus says he will come, and by the way, it's a feast when he returns, and we will drink of the cup at its fulfillment too. So we both receive and we anticipate. Let's take of the cup. And Lord, I simply <clears throat> ask your grace will be poured out now. Where we need you, there would be refreshing, there would be grace, there would be kindness and compassion. And Lord, let us both receive and even prophetically give as we sing together of what you do through this. Let's stand together as we worship. All around you and within you is with 
As we uh, close out our time, we always give you a blessing. And so I'm going to ask you to place your hands out. And uh, really, we get to go back to the original Aaronic blessing today. And David is going to sing it over us in Hebrew and then proclaim it to as a wonderful benediction to the day. Would you bow your heads, please? Yoher Adonai Panavalecha Vikuneka Yisro Adonai Panavalecha Vyoseim Lecha May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Mishichenu Sar HaShalom. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, the Prince of Peace.